Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 172, and it's our wrap-up episode for The Well of Ascension. Elliot, how are you? Doing, doing great. As usual, at the end of a book, I still have, like, Sanderlanch hangover. So I have to, I have to come through the fog of, of Sanderlanch hangover to remember what happened back at the beginning of this book to talk about it. But also, also good feelings. It's always good to, to get another book under our belts. I feel like parts one through three of this book kind of just meld together in my brain and then four through six are like distinct to my brain Paul, how are you fantastic as always i'm excited to talk about this book um i'm gonna go ahead and say as a preface i feel like the 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 numbers we've assigned to this book i think they're fair but also not fair Especially if you're just hopping in as a uh, a first time like Mistborn reader, that's like your first series with, regarding Brandon Sanderson. Um, it may seem unfair, but I don't want to, uh, you know, g- give too much away. But I- I'm excited to talk about it nonetheless. I would call them strict. I I would say okay. they are harsh but warranted in at some at some point. I want to do things a little different. I would like us each to go through each of the classifications together. We'll each tell what our score is and we'll talk about it as we go. So then we'll get a final score at That's the end. Smart. Let's okay. do plot. I gave it the lowest score I have ever given anything for a brand of the Shockingly song. low. Shockingly low. I gave, I gave the plot a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. Not four a 4 out, out of 10. 5. 4 out of 10. Paul? That is a failing grade, actually, believe it or not. I... 4 out of 10 is failing. So, Brandon Sanderson, it's time to go... Do some makeup work. I don't know. Something. <laughs> why Why the four, Trevor? There's too much time spent on stuff that I don't really care about. And I don't really know how else to put it. There's, there's some great stuff in this book. Doesn't really have to do with the plot, though. Um, the, the plot of the book is... 95% of this book is politics and the Siege of Luthadel. 5% of this book walking up to the well of ascension the title of the book and what what does Vin do with the power that's that's the plot so the siege of luthadel is great if it lasted for two parts instead of five um there's just too much time on spent on set and straff which I won't want to talk about them later um I there's something about those two characters that just don't really work for me. Um, but I'll get into that later. Okay. I, I, I want to hop into my rating next, if that's all right. Sure. Um, okay. So my rating is also probably the lowest I've ever rated. But I want I want to talk a little bit more about this. So 
I think you could. So, so my rating is a five out of ten. I would like to say though, I think I could reasonably put this at a seven out of ten. Um, and, and actually, like this could change like live on air right now. I'm curious to know how we're grading this. Of is this like as my f- like thinking back to my first time reading this book, or is it like now? Because I think this book loses some points as a rereader. I really do. Really? Yes. I really do because I think this book what what makes the plot itself really exciting is the mystery element and um some other stuff like like um you talk about the stuff you don't care about uh, Trevor and I would agree with you on some of the things like some of the politicking you know I like Ellen as a character but this whole like Tendwill setting him up to be a king. Honestly, like it was good, but it wasn't great in my opinion. One thing that it was pretty interesting was the whole like weird dynamic with Zane and Vin and Ellen and like Straff. Like I thought that was really engaging, but honestly, whenever I like knowing the outcomes coming into the book, it made those scenes less engaging for me. I was less torn by them and and less like uh, swayed by them so i actually would change my rating from the first time that i read it i think i would have probably given it around a seven or so um so i don't know if that's fair maybe it should be a seven because that was my initial probably about my initial like rating of the I, book i wonder if this changes based on the speed of that you read the book because i assume you read this faster your first time and so you weren't as dragged by what what i'm complaining about of another scene with straff being gross i don't care okay but i will say one other thing i think you have a point with that i think if you get to sit down and read this book at a more usual pace i think you would struggle like it wouldn't be as much of an effect but i want to say i don't think my uh, my i don't think my rating of the first book changed from first read to second read I haven't technically reread uh, The Hero of Ages yet, but I don't think my rating of the plot will change from the first read to the second read. I think this particular book hinges a lot more on a on an element of mystery, which is harder to like mystery and like ambiguity of what choice are the characters gonna take, and sure. I think that. Um, is lost a little bit in the second uh, on a reread. Um, whereas like other books, even if they have, even if it is a big pivotal moment at the end, there's maybe more to see with it. Like I think Lord of the Rings is a pretty good example. The ring is cast into the fire at the end of it all, but like the, the drama of the moment and the celebration afterward and like the honor and just everything, like there's so much to it still. Whereas this, it felt like putting the last piece of a puzzle in the puzzle and it feels really rewarding, but like, you know, but like it's the same puzzle every time kind of thing. Like, like, yeah, now you frame it and put it on the wall as opposed to do the puzzle again. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Elliot, first time reader. First time reader on Well of Ascension for plot. I went slightly higher than you guys and did six, but that is still the lowest score I've given any of our Sanderson books for for their plot rating. For a lot of the same reasons you guys just talked about, I think 
there's a lot of sections of this this book that that are really grueling to get through. There were a lot of sections that I I I don't think I've ever felt bored in a Sanderson book before. And there were some sections, not the whole book. The whole book is not boring. Right. There are sections of this book where I was starting to check out a little bit. And I, I dock in, in the area of plot, I think, for that. Where, where I think I'm maybe a little bit higher than you guys. I'm going to talk about Zane more in the character section, but I think Zane is an, is an interesting plot, maybe less of an interesting character, but does create some good plot intrigue. And the the story at the end that say the Sander Lanch saves it for me and brings it up to up to a six in sure. plot with the the reveals and the excitement of it all, the the twist at the end with says it going back to the the rubbing, all of that, I think, uh yeah. Six. Yeah, I I I completely agree with you that the Sander Lanch does save it quite a bit. I I didn't reflect that in my score though because it's such a small percentage of the actual book. Um like and and since you brought it up, I do want to talk about this. I talked about this a little bit maybe two episodes ago and I do think this is the book that gives Sander Lanch its name. There's there's even a fake like Sander Lanch when we talked about the end of part 4, Elliot yeah. you you were saying, mm -hmm. "Oh, I think we're we're now in good solid Sanderlanch territory and that and that's when you get what the death of Zane um mm -hmm. so there's like yep. almost a false summit to the book um and then there's the the actual siege of Luthadel and then there's the well of ascension like that there's there's several tiers to that there's almost a surprise part 6 like he broke his own rule i guess and really quickly to piggyback off of that I think I think Sanderson does that really well. And this is not the only book he does that. I'll I'll stay out of spoiler zone, but that like that rev, that building of a little bit of momentum into a Sanderlanch, and then maybe a slight lull, and then the real Sanderlanch, it's a masterful way to get you engaged. Like if you just ramp from zero to ten, it you'd get whiplash, right? You get right. you get lost. But to to do that little like fake Sanderlanch gets you going, gets you excited. Oh man, that was cool. We're really into it. And Sanderson's over there. Oh, just you wait, and you know, a few chapters later, you really get it. Like that's that's a fun way to read a book. We definitely had a Paul smirk. We've we've been used to Trevor smirks on on this podcast. But when <laughs> Elliot, when we were talking about the end of part four, and you said, "Oh, I think we're in, I think we're in Sanderlanch territory," we got a Paul smirk, and I yeah, and I was watching for it. <laughs> that is true. I I have honestly, like, I think this book was my deciding factor that. I am just going to let every other Sanderson book that I read be for the podcast because it was so hard for me to keep quiet about anything. Yeah. I'm I'm proud that I've done it this far, but uh, after, after we finish Mistborn, I'm just... Whatever we read on the pos podcast, it will be my first time reading it at that time. Yeah. All right. Characters. So I'm going to bring you back up. Started with, started with a, with, with a low. Eight. I gave eight out of ten for characters. I think that's the same I, I gave for the Final Empire, if I believe. You know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it to a nine. I think Zane. Wow. Is good. I think Zane is a good character. A what? Like a well-written character. Like you were alluding to Elliot, which I'll let you talk about Zane more. 
I think Zane is good. The side note, the only thing I think are not good are the antagonists. Um, Set is boring. Straff is too gross for my liking, and plus he's boring. Um, the the deepness is probably the best like intrigue antagonist that we have. Like what what's happening with the mists? I would say is the is, is the best antagonist. I at at some point, maybe leading up to Stormlight Five, we need to do a Cosmere antagonists tier list. Um, I want I want to rate how good or well written Cosmere antagonists are. Uh, Nine out of ten for for characters. I think Ellen is great in this book. I think Sazed is great in this book. Tindwell is good. I wouldn't I wouldn't call her great, but she's good. Um, I'm a little sad that the crew is a is is dropped for this book. There there is not a lot of page time for Breeze. Uh, well, Breeze actually has the most page time out of anyone on the crew, but Do- Doxon and Club specifically, specifically because they have deaths in this book. I'm. It's a little sad for me that I felt pretty disconnected from them. I want them to feel. No spoilers. I want them to feel like Bridge Four. Um, and they, and Kelsey's crew does not feel like bridge four to me. Nine out of 10. I'm, I'm a tad shocked. You would go nine out of 10. Um, I did seven out of 10 similar reasons, but so I want to say there are a couple highlight characters for me. I think Zane is incredibly well-written. Um, I think says is incredibly well-written. Um, I, I think you know, Ellen and Vin have their good moments. They have some progression in this book, which is awesome. The rest, I'm kind of whatever. I'm kind of right. whatever on. Um, there's not, there's not the room to build maybe as many characters as we have uh, in this story. Um, so yeah, I, I'd kind of just leave it at that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave my explanation to be shorter but sweet. Um, and just say like I think some of those characters like really were knocked out of the park. Um, I don't think there was room for all the characters to be to be fully fleshed out, and I don't think that's a, necessarily a bad thing at all. It's just sometimes what happens if you have too uh, a lot of characters. Um, I will say that there are definitely characters that did not interest me. I didn't care about Tendwell. I may get comments about this. I mean, people who, who are mad at me, but I didn't care about Tendul hardly at all. Um, one character, side note, I, I think Orser is pretty neat, pretty interesting. Like, it, it's kind of a u- unique character trope there. But anyways, I didn't care about that. I didn't care about Set. I will say, I think Straff was pretty well written. I think Straff is obviously a horrible character. Like, like, He's he's a villain, like he's a horrible villain, right? Sure. Um, I think I think he was well written, especially for this story. If Straff was in Stormlight, I think this would be different. I think my thoughts would be different. But this is a very much much darker story. I think Straff fits it really well. It's very kind of like game, a bit of like Game of Thrones esque type of villain, where it's just 
we just talked about this before of like these complicated villains where like they have a good side or maybe a good past order. Strap is just evil. He he's just a bad guy. He's just evil, you know. And I think I I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the bad guy just being a really bad guy, you know, and leaving it there. So all in all, seven out of ten. I went for the same score. Seven out of ten on characters. This is the only category that I scored Well of Ascension higher than Final Empire, actually. For for a lot of the reasons that you guys already mentioned. I think Sezed is a huge bright spot in the in the story. Really interesting character there. I like I like Ellen's development. Ellen really goes on a journey in this story, and I like that a lot. That this the frustrating part, or maybe the sad part, is it's slightly boring. It's not the most interesting journey because it's so political. Sure. But it, it's still good character development. And I, I did like Elland and his his character, uh, which we'll talk about favorite characters later. I think Vin stagnates a little bit in this book. She she gets brief moments of of development and some some cool hero moments but like overall did i enjoy vin's journey in this book mm, not really that that said still lots of good stuff in here i liked the orser Condra side of things um i liked other bits of it tindwell actually for me is is a favorite actually i i actually really like says it in tindwell and their their journey Zane is an interesting one for me. I I think Zane adds a lot to the book. I think there are elements of his character that are well written. I personally didn't like his character at all. And, and part of that's he's rather villainy, so maybe I'm not supposed to. But but even as a villain, he kind of just came off as obnoxious for me. Okay, it it kind of got to the point where it was like, can, can somebody just get rid of him, please? At at one point, you know, he's I, I didn't really feel for him at all. He just seemed kind of nasty. And yeah, maybe he's insane. Maybe he's getting driven or influenced by other people. But I don't know. Didn't really feel any connection. I, I think I felt like Zane was a poor replacement for Kelsier. Kelsier filled a, filled a very specific like character role in the first book that, that I think balanced our, our characters really well. And Kelsier's gone. Zane comes in. It feels like Zane is supposed to be a balancing character to a lot of our others, and I'm not sure it worked quite as well. All that said, there were still a lot of great points. Says it is is the high point for sure. So seven out of characters. You want to start us with world building, Elliot? Sure. Ah, world building. I've kind of been dreading talking about this. <clears throat> we have sung Brandon's praises to to the heights. In at least I have. I think you guys have too. In every book we've read so far, I have not scored him less than eight in this category. I've frequently scored him 10 in a lot of the books that we've read for world building. I think that's what Brandon does the best. His worlds are fascinating. They're interesting. They're creative. They're really out of the box thinking in a lot of ways. I love the magic systems. I love so much about it. This book really fell flat for me on the world building there, there were still great parts of it there still were great parts my score i'll give him is a six six out of ten we learned about Condra. we learned about ferrochemy 
we got some great nuggets at the very end with the Well of Ascension and Ash Mounts. The world has changed. A lot of like, oh man, there's more that going on than you than you think there was. I I put all that into world building, but I was really left wanting in a lot of areas for world building. I wanted more about Ferrochemy. I wanted more about just stuff. I felt like we spent so much time talking about politics and sieges and missed ghosts. I don't know. I don't feel like I learned a whole lot about Scadrill or Luthadel until the last 50 pages. And even then was kind of rushed and we are left with more questions and answers by the end of it either way. So six. Paul? I'm even lower. <laughs> just a tad, just a tad. I gave world building a five and Elliot, I think you said it really well. Uh, this one fell a little bit flat. Personally, why I gave it a five is I think that this book is trying to maybe catch up a little bit on like this ties into a little bit with characters of like some of our character development feels like it was tied into maybe what should have been spread over the previous book. And I think this is more of a chronological, like think of when Brandon was releasing this series a thing, which, which this makes perfect sense of. He needed his first book to kind of be its own unit to do well, to then be able to, continue with the series kind of thing um, and it feels like this book kind of ate the repercussions of that a little bit feels like there was the beginning of the book was just trying to develop stuff not necessarily interesting stuff stuff to be kind of like sprinkled in along the way that it doesn't that you don't fully notice it but you retain that knowledge um, it felt like that was kind of packed at the start of this book and it wasn't that engaging and so that that's why I would give world building a five, um, mostly. So yeah, I'm gonna parrot a lot of what Elliot just said. I gave it a six, same score as Elliot did. I don't feel like I learned that much about Scadrill, and I, I said I've said this multiple times coming through the book. I think interludes would do wonders for Mistborn. I think I would care more about the events that our heroes are going through. I know I want to know what it means to the world. I want I want to know what overthrowing the Lord Ruler did. I want to know exactly what So like the scene where Sazed is out about in Luthid, like out about in the final empire spreading religions and seeing like the mist attack people is a good like a, a good world building type thing i i want to know the cost of everything that's happening um and i just don't get enough of that six out of ten i i believe the lowest i've ever given a sanderson world building score is a nine um i like and I think that was Warbreaker. I, I think Warbreaker is a l little bit boring with its world building, um, but it's still like visually interesting. You learn, and you learn a lot. Right. You learn a lot of everything that's going on. So this book, I don't feel like I know what is going on in Skadriel. I don't. So it it detracts from 
what our heroes are doing because I don't feel immersed. Paul, do you want to start us with theme? Absolutely. So I gave theme a six out of ten. Um, there are good moments. There are good moments in the theme. Like, for example, I, th- I think a good moment we had with the theme was Ven with her relationship with Alan. She kind of realizes this... Um, she basically just comes to the point of realization that, that she, she wants to be with Ellen. There's a lot with it, with like the, why she doesn't kind of feeling her, like, I guess, self worth self value that she is good enough to be with Ellen and, and, and things like that. Um, and there's, there's some good moments there. There really are. But I think I gave it a six. I took off like four points because there's not that much that I'm leaving and just feeling encouraged or feeling like, oh, a good message was told. Whether that's good or bad, it doesn't have to necessarily be like encouraging, but like something interesting was was pointed out by the end. There was not really anything. There was the Sander Lanch and it was like exciting and action packed and like a thriller. But it wasn't like this necessarily this lesson of honor or lesson of you know, putting others before yourself or something like that, that we see in a lot of Brandon Sanderson books, notably Stormlight, but a lot of Brandon Sanderson books still have like a, whether or not you like agree with a character's decision, you can understand why they do it. And you can like, at least take a step back and, and kind of look at that and ponder, if you will. And there's not really much in this. Honestly, I could, I could pull the theme score down uh, I'm going to leave it at 6, though. 6 out of 10. Elliot? 6 out of 10 as well. For me on theme, Paul, you you, you nailed it. You nailed it spot on with the, the theme. For, for me, the bench, the benchmark, the real the test of was a book a great book? And you can apply this to any book. Is did it change me as a person? Did I read that book and discover something about myself, change something about myself, think about something in a way that I had not thought about before. That's the question I asked myself of, was this a great book? A book can be good and not touch on any of that, but to really be great, it, it has to impact me. I, I think theme is where I kind of bring that question in a little bit, was, was the theme, the message, the overall content of this book, something that really impacted me in this book? not so much not not so much definitely compared to the other other books we've read like stormlight just like everything you you talked about paul all that said definitely great definitely good stuff in here definitely enough to earn it a six out of ten there was lots of of good things to get into say zed's analysis on religion and truth tindwell's you know character and her motivations a lot of that ellen Zane even maybe contributes as a foil to a lot of the the theme stuff. Marsh maybe even a little bit. So enough to get to six, six out of 10. I went with eight out of 10. I went higher than you gentlemen. And here's why. I think the, the theme, I hesitate to say the message, the theme of Ellen's story 
in this book I think is good. And then for it to be reflected by Vin in the final scene is great. So Ellen, the entire book, Ellen, the entire book is saying to himself and to the crew around him who are telling him the other way, Ellen is saying, I need to do the right thing. Doesn't matter what's happening around me. And for Vin to learn that through Ellen at the Well of Ascension, Ellen would want me to release the power. Ellen would want me to save his people from the deepness and sacrifice him. She learns that lesson, releases the power. Now, it is flipped on its head two paragraphs later when it turns out she wasn't supposed to do that, but it's still a lesson that I think Ellen teaches Vin, and I think that is where this book shines. This, for Ellen to prove to himself that it doesn't matter what Tyndall tells me, it doesn't matter what Breeze tells me or Ham or whoever, even though I value these people, they're telling me, take control of the army, take control of the city for the, for the good of the Ska, for the good of Luthadel. And Ellen says, no, I will not do that because I believe in this value of a proper balanced government. And if, they, if the people use that against me to overthrow me, I'm going to hold that. So be it. And I think Vin learns that from him through this book, that if you have a value, you need to stand by it no matter what the circumstances are around you. And she does that, gives up the power. Now, if, you know, Tolkien was writing this book, that would have been where the book ended. <laughs> but because Sanderson's writing this book, he flips it and says, oh, that's, that's wrong. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Eight out of ten. That's well said. Well said. I can see that. Uh, Paul, point of view. All right. Point of view. Our last one here. This was actually my highest of, of this for this book. I gave point of view an 8 out of 10. And I gave point of view an 8 out of 10 largely just because the point of view writing that that Brandon Sanderson does is just really good. It's really fantastic. Um, the the two missing points, if you will, are just from we don't see a point of view from all that many characters. We see a lot of Vin point of view, a decent bit of Ellen point of view. We actually get like a cup. We get a couple other point of views. Oh, sorry, a lot of Sazed point of view, which is really fun. Always, there are a couple other ones we get. I think we get a little bit of Spook. Um, I think we get like. I guess we don't get Mar Marsh point of view in this book, really. We get but a couple of Breeze. We, yeah, we get some Breeze. We we get a little bit of other point of views. Um, even like Straff at times. Zane, I think Zane had a couple moments and yep. things like that. Yep. So there are some. It's not fantastic. Like it's not like everyone, right? But I also think there's only so much you can fit. So I I gave point of view an eight out of ten. Bringing my total score then to a 31 out of 50, or barely over a 3 out of 5. Um, and I just want to say that this is still a really good book, um, even though our scores seem very, very mean. I hope this doesn't bring down anyone's view of the book. But yeah, 31 out of 50, 8 out of 10 for point of view. I'll go next. Uh, I give it a 5, simply because I think the book's a little clunky. I, th I think it's not well-balanced. 
between and I said this a little bit last week. I think this book is a little little too Sanderlanchy, if that is possible. I think this book is so heavily weighted on the well of ascension that the rest of the book is fairly pale in comparison. Um and so I, I just rate that with point of view because I think the medium in which I got this book across was not as strong as it could have been. I think it could have been more well balanced. Um and but I completely understand the the want of an author to leave you with a good feeling and if you need to get through a bunch of politics to get there, I understand that. Um I think Vin falls a little flat in this book and you spend a lot of the book in Vin's point of view. Um so I I would I would drop it down to 5 out of 10. For a total of 32. 33? Did I You you raised one of yours up to a 9, didn't you? I did. Did you did you compensate? I think I did. 32 out of 50. So I did I did 7 for point of view which also brings me to 32 out of 50. We were we were all pretty close on our our scores for this book actually, but I feel like for rather different reasons. Yeah. I feel like we've all touched on rather different stuff but then kind of arrived at the at the same place at the end which is kind of interesting, but for for point of view I liked elements of it. I didn't like others. I liked Seiza doing research. I liked Things getting fed to us slowly, for the most part. I'm going to gripe a little bit about that later, but I like the I like the reveal of the text has changed. That that's kind of a point of view thing that I really like. Something that you could have discovered if yeah. you were really looking closely, and uh, but you you likely don't, or or maybe you do, and I just didn't. But uh, I like that. I. Yeah, I, str- I struggled with Ellen. No, I didn't. I struggled with Vin and her point of view in in some of the sections, and yeah, bits of it. I think of the story just stalled a little bit in some sections, partly because our characters just weren't doing stuff that was all that interesting, and so we were getting important information. It was just done standing on the parapet of a castle, looking out at the mist and talking about it, and right. or sitting on a bed and, and talking to a dog kind of thing. So it was, I don't know, not quite there, but st- still a fairly strong seven in the point of view. Sounds good. A lot of these general thoughts I've already kind of talked about, either in last week or already in this week. So I'm, I might skip around here. Um, what, what do you guys think? Okay, I'll, I'll say this. Raise your hand if you like Set as a character. Interesting question. Uh, audio listeners, no, nobody is raising their hand. You... <laughs> <laughs> um, I was about to say it, yeah. Uh, raise your hand if you like Straff as a character. Like, like not as like a person. Right, right. Like right as a like, written character, I am raising my hand. If, if you think Straff as a character performed his role well in the book, Paul is raising his hand. I... I will also raise my hand and point to something Paul says specifically 
with the tone of this book and the role that was needed for the setting we were in, I think Straff achieves that and is a good villain in this setting. Okay. Okay. I there's I, I don't know if it's just because I'm so repulsed by Straff that every time he shows up on the page, I just want him dead. That <laughs> I am I'm so upset that so I don't know if that actually makes him a good character that i'm so repulsed by him because i'm supposed to be um but by definitely like, but by that train of thought every scene that he's in drags for me because i wish he was dead and because we have to watch him be gross again i'm just bored and upset and want some <laughs> want zane to kill him uh-huh it's it's an applicable appropriate well-written villain for me i do get i do have thoughts along the lines of what you're talking about trevor and that it's not pleasant to read about and it to, to the point where i'm with you i'm reading those scenes kind of hoping for the scene to end so that i don't have to read about the nasty thoughts in straff's head right so it it does detract from the book for me just based on a personal taste of I don't want to read about that. Sure. And yeah, I will also preface that it is a completely personal taste that I'm articulating here. It's not like a, I'm not critiquing the book from like a literary standpoint. Like it's, it is okay to have gross characters in your book. I just personally will not enjoy the scenes that they're in. That's fair. And this is exactly, um, if any of our listeners have, read a game of thrones you're probably laughing at trevor and trevor this is just proof that you will never read this book never be able to read through those books because if you don't like straff you wouldn't you would not enjoy game of thrones anywho i'm i'm um, sure i'm sure that's true and, and i do want to bounce off that a little bit brandon sanderson one of his live streams he said that he got two emails like th th this was really early like this right after maybe the well of ascension came out he got two emails from two different fans that said as a religious man you should be not putting these in your book and uh, the second email said you are so naive in this type of thing it's it is incredibly it shows incredibly that you're not willing to full send like evil in your books because you don't want to write about it. Like, but both, both fans like critiqued him on the opposite side of you shouldn't be putting this yeah. here. And you have no idea what you're talking about when you're putting this stuff in here. So um, it, I just think it's funny, funny that you can't yeah. please everybody. Absolutely. I wanted to talk just real briefly while we're in general thoughts on what I think this book is missing the most. Okay, And we, we touched on it in some of our ratings, and I, I really do think it's in that world-building section of the book. This, this book badly needs more lore. I, I, I think to other books that we've, we've read, and we can do a more specific comparison maybe when we get to spoiler section at the, at the end, but there, there's plenty of other books, I think, that slow the pace down to the level of this one or even slower in a lot of sections but the way that i get through those sections of other books is because of the breadcrumbs 
there's in those books there's there's i'm continuously getting fed more about the world i'm either learning things that i'm asking questions about or i'm getting answers to questions that i had previously and those are kind of sprinkled throughout a lot of the the slow sections characters might be doing nothing but sitting in and talking to each other but what they're talking about includes world lore and that's what i really thrive on me personally as as a reader and so i really enjoy some of the slow sections of other books because that's where i'm really getting the nuggets of just knowledge about what the world is and so in this book when you enter into a slow section but it's a it's a character slow section not a lore slow section it's 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 slow but it's characters talking about their relationships or the politics or things that aren't Principles. helping me learn more sure sure and, but they're not helping me learn more about the world that i'm in that was where i i touched on boredom that was where i i, I was getting somewhat interesting information but i just wanted so much more i have so many questions that i didn't get uh, to get answers to so i I think it badly needed some more details about the world. Sure. There's a lot. I want to, uh, I want to directly compare this book to words of radiance, but I'm not going to do that until the end of this book. Cause they're, they're both book twos of a series. Um, so if you, I, I have more to talk about, um, along this line of thinking, but I want to save it uh, for the end of the episode. So um, hold on for that if you've read Stormlight. What else, gentlemen? So I just want to say that the book does a, does a pretty good job. I feel like this book gets a lot of flack because of its position, but also does kind of what it has to in its position. Uh, we kind of talked about Final Empire being this so pseudo standalone book mm -hmm. and then this brings it into the full three book series um so it had a lot of setting up to do um which it did well but for that reason it's not the most enjoyable sanderson book so True. i think it did a good job um but you know it's 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 kind of tough <laughs> I I think uh, maybe some of the exciting moments and some of the less exciting moments could have potentially been spaced out a little bit more. I feel like we mentioned this before, but I feel like I learned way too much about strategies when there's three armies standing off. Yes. You know, of like, oh, you never want to be the first one to go. You want to be the last one to go and then and stuff. So I, I it just felt like that was a bit much and and could have been done better but yeah yeah it, it is hard ranking this one versus other sanderson books too yeah. so yeah those are my only other thoughts i don't know if um elliot has anything before we go on um just just real quick i'll say yeah i agree i do think my score is a little bit weighted or offset by sanderson's own extremely high bar right i i think if i had read this book before reading some of his others i might have scored it a little higher 
it, because I know what he's capable of and the the emotions and the investment that I have felt in his other stories, when I read this one and I don't get to that level of engagement, it it makes the book, I think, look maybe a little bit less satisfying than maybe it could be just because of the context of his other later works. What and I'll a weighted GPA is a perfect way to, to to write that. I like the way mm-hmm. that you said that. If you if you keep reading yeah. ten out of tens and nine out of tens, and then you find a a six or a seven, then it it feels heavier than than the yeah. normally would. Mm-hmm. And and we I feel like I've been ragging on the book um, maybe a little bit too much because it it still very much is an excellent entry into the fantasy bookshelf. It is a book that I very much enjoyed and to, to give it a little bit of praise. Like I think there's a couple scenes in this book that are definitely going to be big memories for me going forward. I think the one that stands out the most is Sazed holding the gate against the army of Bacoblins. I mean, uh, Coloss and like that, that scene, I can picture it so well. I felt the emotions in that scene. I think I'm going to remember this book by that visual. <laughs> that I have in my mind from from that element because that was that was epic and incredibly well done. I think we can all agree that Sazed pulls this book extremely highly, very very quickly. Every every scene he's in is is good. Yep. Almost every scene he's in is good. Favorite characters: Sazed. Sazed. I I'm gonna surprise you here. Sazed. I think is actually a close second for me. There, there are there are bits of Seiza is the most eye catching, the most epic, the most memorable by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen, I think Ellen edges him out just a tiny bit with okay. for for my favorite character for the reasons that Trevor you talked about in your theme score. Yeah, the the character that Ellen develops over the course of this book really endears him to me. I like if there's any character that my opinion has changed more on, it's Ellen. Like by far. Well, maybe Marsh. Mainly Ellen. The But Marsh is <laughs> Marsh is different. Yeah. That that was more of like a, a twist or a surprise. Like coming out of book one, I hardly cared about Ellen at all. It was like, oh yeah, he's the the silly fop over there that that Vin is kind of maybe interested in. To go from that to Wow, this is a king that I would follow into battle. The man like, of courage. What a, yeah. what a journey! Yeah, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that, and I think it it edges him up into favorite character for me. Sounds good. All right, favorite quotes. I have one, and it's not one that you would like frame in your bathroom for your for your guests to read, or what you know, frame, you know, frame in your house or put on a throw pillow or whatever. Um. I'm going to read it because it's so good and dark and creepy and foreshadowing and the the stakes that it sets simply by existing are so good. And I think this is where this is the type of quote where Sanderson really shines and did early on in his career as well. It's where Zane is laying dead, dying after fighting with Vin this is Zane's point of view. And it says, Of course I didn't tell you to kill her, God said. 
You know, the really funny thing, Zane, the most amusing part of this all? You're not insane. You never were. And that's the last word that you get from point of view from Zane. I think that's so awesome. And when you read that, you're like, whoa, something is talking to Zane that we've never really heard from before. What is going on here? I I think that that type of setup to um for a delivery like that of there is something actually talking to Zane and it's kind of taunting him as he dies, I think is a great scene, great way to end that character. That is. That that's a pretty tough quote to swallow. Like as you yeah. read, you're just like absolutely thrown back by that one. Um my quotes are going to go kind of a 180 from that one. Okay. Um, I'm going to read my, what may be my favorite quote. I'm going to save the like one that's really a 180 for second. It's a bit longer. Um, my first quote, I'll go ahead and read it. Um, it's Tyndall and Sazed talking. It says, good men can never make, er, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me restart. <laughs> good men can make terrible kings. Tendwell noted. But bad men cannot make good kings, Sazed said. It is better to start with a good man and work on the rest, I think. Which doesn't seem like a ton. It's maybe not a mic drop moment, but I think it says a really good tone. I talked about a low theme score for this book, but I think Sazed carries a lot of the theme um, aspect of this book. And I just think it's a really like good point of pointing out that it's better to have a a good man who may make mistakes um but to start with that and work with them kind of thing so that's why i like that quote my other quote um you may notice this is also Sazed talking but to ellen and ven and he says at first glance the key and the lock it fits uh, may seem very different, Sazed said. Different in shape, different in function, different in design. The man who looks at them without knowledge of their true nature might think them opposites, for one is meant to open and the other to keep closed. Yet, upon further examination, we might see that without one, the other becomes useless. The wise man then sees that both lock and key were created for the same purpose. This was his metaphor as as Vin and Ellen are about to get married and and they're worried Vin worried that she's too different from, from Ellen. She's too much of a street urchin. She's not suitable to be the lady, you know, Lady Vin, right? Um she's just a misborn. She's just a knife, you know. Um and this was just a beautifully placed moment and very uh, quote and very profound um and also like like it was profound it was deep but i would say even more than the first quote that i read it's very true it's just very like just very wise very wise so uh that's that's one of my favorite quotes and um i was i said at the start at least i was saying to trevor and elliot i think i was gonna get um berated a little bit for that one i've been um 
after reading Yumi, I've been named a softy ever since I got married. <laughs> and while that is very true, <laughs> absolutely true, um, I I thought it'd be funny because um, I'm also putting the uh, another romance quote in here. So I don't remember who it was exactly who called me back. I need to go look. I don't remember the username, but whoever called me out, you you got me, you got me pinned. So and back absolutely back to like episode eight of this podcast where Navani flirts with Dalinar once and you're complaining loudly that I don't want to I don't want to read this bad. I don't want to don't don't tell absolutely me about the safe is hand still and, bad. anyway <laughs> I I still stand by that. This is a lot more cute and sweet. Anyways. I'll I'll keep the train going with with Vin and, and Ellen and grab an, another quote from a scene between the two of them much earlier in the book, though, that I find this fascinating for some weird reason. It seems like almost always the the good, memorable, epic quotes are towards the end of a book. You you build up to them, and then you have these epic moments where it's like, oh, drop a nugget of wisdom, boom. Those don't usually happen at the beginning of the book. And on page 55, it's like chapter 6 or something like that of of this book. Vin just like whips out a, a pithy quote just in casual conversation with, with Ellen. It, I almost missed it because it, well, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to be looking for, for good quotes, but I did write it down. The, the quote is, is this. It's pretty short. Good men don't need to become legends. They simply do what's right anyway. And I think she's responding to Ellen kind of complaining like, ah, oh, good men don't go on to be legends or, or they don't you know, achieve good things. And this this kind of set the tone for the the Vin Ellen storyline of them kind of playing off each other and, and encouraging each other in their areas of doubt. So I thought that was really good. And then my second one is kind of a strange pick for me. It's not really a quote that I like, or even one that's necessarily super relevant to this book. But when I read it, it was just so, it, it seemed to encapsulate the entirety of Mistborn for me in one sentence. And it was two sentences, two sentences. And it was like, oh man, that right there is this story. And when I say story, I mean the whole thing. And Obviously, we haven't read book three, so maybe it is completely does a, a, a 180 and goes a different direction. But up until now, this description here summarizes our characters so well. And it's, it's just this. Hell and Docs weren't evil men, but there was an edge of vengefulness to them. Oppression had changed them in ways that no amount of peace, reformation, or recompense could redeem. And when I read that first time, I was like, oh, bam, that is it right there. And you can apply that to, to even more than just Kel, Kelsier and, and Dachshund. We have a team of heroes, but there's a, there's an edge to them. There There's a dark side. There's a gray area to everything that's going on in the story because of the oppression, because of the ruin that this world is in and the evil things that are going on that in another world where there's peace and prosperity, you just wouldn't have a hard-edged hero, whereas in Mistborn you do. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Time to throw it over to Elliot, because he's the only one that hasn't read it. We are about to read ah. 
the hero of ages next week. What are your predictions, Elliot? All right, I got some for you. We'll start. We'll start simple. I I can't expand on this one too far, but I want to say we're going to see some shards. I think we are going to meet some shards. And I won't go further into that because it'll get a little spoilery. Maybe we'll touch on it at the end. But I think we're going to see them. Right. I think... Let's talk about Ellen for a second. I think Ellen is going to feel incredibly guilty for what we just saw at the end of this book. Okay. I think Ellen is going to have to get over some major guilt for what he is going to see as his fault that whatever just got loosed upon the world was done so because simply the fact that he was there if if he had not been there in the room maybe vin would not have been tempted to do the wrong thing that she thought was the right thing that yeah all that he he even thinks that to himself as they're walking in the room he we're in the we're an ellen point of view and he says I am way in over my head. I should not be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of very guessing in this realm. I think this was Ellen's book, this second one. We saw a lot of really good progression, character development. I'm not really expecting character development in the third book for Ellen. I'm sure we'll get some, but probably not nearly the, the huge path that he went on here. I think one thing he is going to have to deal with is guilt which I'm not sure is something we've really seen Ellen deal with yet. Um, what else here? Sazed. I'm excited for Sazed. I really want to know where this goes. We have, Sazed has had his faith absolutely shattered, ground into the dust, scooped up in a dustpan, thrown in the dumpster. Between the death of Tindwill, the other characters, the discovery of the lies in the religion, the the manipulation that he's just uncovered, all of that has just absolutely shattered his religious beliefs. Where where does he go with that? What happens now? Does he become just a cynic where everything is meaningless and why even care about the world if all this is gone? Maybe. My prediction, we are going to see a redemption arc of Sazed's faith. Book three is going to start with Sazed in the dumps. No faith, pretty cynical. Why does this even matter? Don't even talk to me. I'm not helping you. This is all fake. I think somebody, maybe Vin, is going to like ascend to godhood, do something incredible that is supernatural and something that only a god can do. And it will it will be the thing that restores Seiza's faith, maybe to the point where he even like founds his own religion. Maybe he casts aside his whole. There's tons of religions, and he becomes like the founding person of a new religion based on the events he's going to witness in book three. So I think I think Seiza is going to find his faith again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a fun one. Uh, more medals. This might be obvious, but given what I know about Brandon and his liking for symmetry and things that are complete, things that are balanced, things that have reason, I, I flipped to the the Ars 
Arcanum in the back of the book. Yeah. And if, if you're not looking at, if you're not watching our video on YouTube, you can't see what I'm holding up here. But in the back of the book, there's a little diagram with the different metals on this little wheel. The, the wheel is not complete. It, there is no way that there's not more stuff to fill in this wheel. I guarantee you 100,000% this is meant to be a full circle because that is just how Brandon's brain works. I, I think I know the dude enough that there's no three quarters of a pie is the full magic system. It it goes the whole way, baby. I guarantee it. So however many metals you want to count up that we're missing, so there's, we're missing some metals. There's 12, there's, in, there's 12 in the pie. There's four missing in your graphic there. And we already could put one more on there? Two, I think. Two? I think aluminum and duralumin are not here. Okay. Okay. Is silver on I'd there? Have to, I'd have to stare at this. Silver is not on here. Okay. So, and, and specifically it says like there's ATM, there's gold, and then there's like an unknown, it's implied maybe an, an alloy of gold perhaps. Okay. So, but I think that's on here. Yeah, that's on here. That's right there. Although, maybe not. I don't know. There's stuff you could stare out on this. But all that to say, there's more metals. There's more metals we haven't seen yet. Okay. Maybe we have seen. We just haven't actually, like, done anything with. Uh, okay, ready for the big one? Here comes the big prediction. Mm. This is what we've all been waiting for. There's a character that is not going to survive the next book. And it's Vin. Ooh. Okay. Vin, Vin does not survive. I don't know how. I don't know. I'm. These Mismore books have been a little bit hard to predict for me. I feel like sometimes I, sometimes I've got Brandon's number in in, in Stormlight. I feel like not the case in in Mistborn. I think Vin's gonna die. I don't know if it's gonna be like a sacrifice herself to save the world kind of thing. I could see us going that way. Okay. I could see us also going a more tragic route of Vin dies and didn't need to die. And maybe that, you know, inspires another character to save the world or something like that. Uh but I'm pretty confident Vin is not gonna make it. Okay. I think it could get even more tragic. I think at some point in the story. Vin may, Vin may be pregnant. I think Vin is gonna be pregnant. May or may not have the child before the death happens. It okay. could be super tragic, and pregnant Vin dies mm. in a tragic way. Or maybe Vin has a kid. Then she dies, sacrificing herself to save the world, and leaves behind the kid to assume her mantle as hero of ages. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Those predictions didn't those disappoint. Are some, those, those are some big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Told you I had some. Love it. All right. Trevor, do you have any uh, pressing predictions? I, I remember hero of ages too well. I can't, I can't do <laughs> fake, I can't do fake predictions for you. Yes, I know. All right. Um, I know it. Elliot, what are our biggest unanswered questions moving into part one of Hero of Ages? Um, I mean, there's a bunch. Magic systems. I feel like there's the, the lack of lore in this book makes me feel like there's there's something we're missing still. 
There, there's something about the magic systems that we have not gotten yet. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's there's more to ferrochemy than we're being told, because I, I was expecting a little more there. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's another magic system on top of Allomancy and ferrochemy. Not sure about that. Um, are there more metals? What are the other metals? What do they do? Is silver a part of this? We've seen silver in other stories. Aluminum, we know about that a little bit. Inquisitors, what the heck is going on with those Inquisitors? If you got mm. a spike in you, why do you hear voices? You know, what's going on with that? Deepness. And why, and why do you get really powers, have too? There. You yeah, get, well, oh yeah. Why do you... We haven't even gotten that explained. <laughs> For sure. Uh, what else? I think those are the big ones. Vin's mother. I think there's still something about Vin's mother. Mm. Okay. That one was set up like really early in book one. There. Yeah, I thought we were going to get that. I think I predicted that going coming into this book that we were going to get some big reveal on Vin's mother. We we didn't get that at all. Yeah. So maybe that's a question yet to be answered. Anything else before we talk about Stormlight a little bit? Uh, just to say before we send off our our Mistborn readers that I'm really excited for Hero of Ages. Actually, I, me too. If if this book was a little bit slow in sections, that like even more ratcheted up the tension going into Hero of Ages. You know, we've we've gone on the journey now. We are we are headed into the destination. I feel like I've earned it. I feel like I've earned the epicness that I think is in front of us in Hero of Ages. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, me too. All right. I want to do Stormlight spoilers. I want to do a quick comparison between Words of Radiance specifically and the Well of Ascension. What well, Words of Radiance spends a decent amount of its time on politics. So it's the same thing that Well of Ascension does. Like Shalon shows up to the Shattered Plains. Uh, Kaladin's there. She's courting Adolin a little bit, but she also kind of likes Kaladin. Um, but then she's also then trying to manipulate Dalinar and Sadius and Sabariel all at the same time, even though she really has no ground to stand on. Um, so what, what about that whole thing works in Words of Radiance? And then I don't think a lot of the politics works very well in Well of Ascension. And I, I kind of just want to do an open-ended question. I don't know why. Why does, why does that the case? I, there's two things I can think of. One, one I've already talked about, which is lore. In Words of Radiance, you're, you're still constantly getting bits and pieces of the lore of the world. You, okay. You're still getting lots of interesting little nuggets buried in those political conversations. Little, you know, anytime Yasna opens her mouth, she's, she's dropping you something. And, well, she's dead for most so, of that book specifically, but yes. Oh, true, true, true. There, there's, there, there's stuff that's that's getting fed to you that I felt like I was missing in Well of Ascension. The other thing, though, is I think you just got you just got more going on in Words of Radiance. You, you've got you've got Kaladin and Bridge Four. You've got Shalon flashbacks. I don't know if there's as many of those packed into some of the the slower sections or not. I think you get it, it's broken up a little bit. There's slower sections where you're you're just talking about politics, but then two chapters later, 
you're getting a, a pretty shocking Shalon flashback scene. And, and so it's, you're not stuck in it for long periods of time. Yeah. This is something that I was mentioning earlier about like how it's spaced out throughout the book. Um, with, with Stormlight, it's very nicely spaced. There's flashback chapters. You jump across the world to see what Kaladin's doing or, or other things like that, you know. Interludes. Uh, yeah, yeah, interludes. You're seeing all sorts of stuff. So you're not just in that. It's not just three parts of stuff you're not as invested in, you know. Especially at the start of the book, I guess. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's a really big reason. I also think the stakes are a lot. Excuse me. Whew. Near my bedtime. Um, the the stakes are different in Stormlight. Right. Here, like what we're learning about is like, it sounds like military tactics 101, like, like 1101 or whatever. It's like, okay, you're defending a city and there are two, two armies outside. Like, if you side with one, you now have an advantage. Like it, it, you can say it in passing, but I feel like that was a really, really big point of this book. And it's kind of not that impactful as the reader. I'm like, okay, I get that. That's really cool. And then that adds some significance to how we handle the scenario, but you just kind of move on. Like that's, that's a move on past kind of fact, you know? And uh stormlight especially in the first book, I struggled with those kind of political or world building like chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's because I didn't get the scope. Now sure. I enjoy them a lot more because there's crazy answers that it's like, Oh, if I learn this thing about void light, then I can think to all these other places where I may have may or may not have seen it and what that could mean for our story, for our characters, all this stuff. Here, the any sort of reveal that or development that happens in the book doesn't have that level of like impact or anything, you know. It, you know what I think it is. I think a big thing between Stormlight and Mistborn, and and this just dawned on me as I was thinking about this. In Stormlight, there are several times where the reader learns something and the character does not the reader has now learned something about the world that has big implications for the scene for the character for example the parchment learning that the parchment are the original void bringers yasna and shalon know that in words of radiance nobody else does right N nobody else knows that the reader, Yasna and Shalon know that. Or the Heralds. Knowing that the Heralds are on Roshar, running around, doing weird stuff, none of the characters know that. But the reader does. Is there What is in Mistborn that the reader knows that the characters don't? I feel like we, every reveal we get along with the characters. and Unless you have other... Cosmere knowledge, but even then it's it's small. Right. So I, I wonder if that's like a writing technique that's been that, that Sanderson's grown in or something, because there's like the reader knows the stakes of the 
of Words of Radiance are here, but the characters don't yet. Like, it's not until the Sanderlands that the characters realize the Voidbringers are back. Like, the readers know that the entire book, but the characters have not. So reading about the characters finding that out is a different dynamic than reading about approaching the Well of Ascension from the with the characters because the reader doesn't doesn't know what the Well of Ascension is, right? But what if we did? Right. What if we what if we did know the implications of the Well of Ascension before showing up? I think I don't know. I feel like maybe Mistborn's at that point trying to be something it's not intended to be. Sure. It's I I feel like with the type of characters that we have, the the slightly more young adulty type process of the book, target audience trying to go for a a big thinky you you're in on the secrets when the characters aren't. I'm not sure that would fit. Mm-hmm. Would it make it a book that I think I would enjoy more? Yes. Right. But I wonder if it would end up falling a little bit flat because it's trying to be something it's not. Sure. And yeah, I'm I'm fairly speaking from like my personal preference. Like Yeah. I think I might enjoy Mistborn more if there was a prelude of a Lendi showing up to the Well of Ascension or not not Alendi, um, Rashik showing up to the Well of Ascension, taking the power for himself, and defeating whatever is trapped in there, and that that that's the whole prelude. And so, yeah, it, I I'm just I'm just kind of articulating like the reframing yeah. here. There's no like history elements. Like we have the you, you like what you're saying. There's the heralds in Stormlight. There's all these allusions to these big past events like the recreants and all sorts of stuff, you know. And and that adds a lot of like element that adds a lot of intrigue like as the reader, right? Is there mentioned like to those people as just like, you know, lore like in world history, you know. I personally would would guess that it's just like one Mistborn either didn't have time for that or it just like kind of wasn't the place for that like this is a more straightforward story we're not going to worry about all this like super deep stuff like i feel like you would need an extra book in there right if if you're gonna dig into that you know an extra book's worth of content or i wonder if it's the book doesn't zoom out soon enough the it, it feels like going from book one to book two felt like a little bit of a step back we were we were dealing with what we thought was you know planet-wide implications with taking down the lord ruler this all-powerful being it felt like we were dealing with things on a large scale and then for book two for three quarters of it we've like gone down in scale right we we've gone to entire final empire we took down the lord ruler the big bad guy who's all-powerful has been defeated too uh oh, the Coloss are attacking Luthadel. And it, it's not till the very end that we start to zoom out. And it feels like we're setting up a, a big increase in scope in the right. next book. Whereas Stormlight, I think, starts to do that sooner. You, you've got this consistent kind of increase in the scope you're talking about where you don't have that in Mistborn as nearly as much. 
Elliot, where's Void? I didn't think about this until about one minute ago. <laughs> we, I think we briefly mentioned this a couple episodes ago. That was like, oh yeah, and I'm on the lookout for Hoyt because we haven't seen him yet. I've been led to believe, and I bet you this is your fault, Trevor, that Hoyt has an appearance in every single book that Brandon writes. Uh, that's not what I said. And I said he's an appearance <laughs> in every story that he writes. Okay, okay. I I interpreted that to mean every book I pick up I'm sure you did. with the words Brandon Sanderson on the cover of it is going to include some kind of sneaky reference to our favorite world hopper that I'm missing. Although, although I'm sure someone will bring up the clip. I may have said book. Um, I, I may have said book, but I now the truth comes. I did. Out, I did mean know? story. I, Hoyt is <laughs> Hoyt is in every Cosmere story that Sanderson's written. I think. I mean, I I'm sure somebody, if you are that somebody out here, listen to us. Please please chime in with a comment. I'm sure somebody has found some passersby in this story somewhere. That might be Hoyt. extra number six and found some kind of descriptor to link that person to Hoyd. And maybe he is in this book or in the background of a scene. But, or, or maybe he's in a scene and I missed him. But I did not see Hoyd. I'm disappointed. Anything else, gentlemen? I think that's all I got. All right. That's it for the Well of Ascension. Let's reconvene next week and jump right into Hero of Ages. I'm not sure the chapter split yet. I will go look at that. But um, for now, let's go read the Hero of Ages. Thanks for joining me, Elliot and Paul. On we go. Farewell. <laughs>